This is the Law School Show. Welcome to episode two of the Law School Show with Rishi and Chris. Rishi, man, episode two is really happening. It is. It's uh, our dreams are finally coming to reality. How are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Uh, year three is getting underway. I'm trying to wrap my mind around actually being an academic again for eight months, slowly making the transition out of job into school. Well, yeah, Chris, we're uh, definitely back in University of Ottawa now and uh, looking forward to this last third year before we head back for articling. So without further ado, for our listeners, we there are a couple of points we would like to address before we jump into episode two of the law school show. Uh, they're mainly around logistics. As you've seen, uh, we are publishing this podcast on YouTube for now, but slowly we will also start publishing it on uh, Apple iTunes. Uh, and once that becomes a reality, we will uh, update the description below uh, with the links uh, so that you can even download those podcasts and listen to them as you're walking from place to place. But for now, they will be available on YouTube. And uh, we'd like to give a sincere apology for any weird audio things that uh, <laughs> might pop up throughout uh, episode one and this episode. We're uh, recording things in a pretty raw state and uh, bringing it to you honest. So uh, going forward, we'll up our technical savvy and uh, get the audio a little bit tighter. But uh, for now, it's doable, but uh, we apologize for any, any, any weird noises in your earbuds. And if any one of our listeners actually has experience in this and would like to help out, we would uh, uh, love to have a chat and see if there's uh, any anything you can help out with in regards to recording or uh, creating even uh, better intros. So uh, <clears throat> jumping right to today's show, we have actually a very, very exciting show for you today. Uh, Chris, you want to speak a bit about the show? Round table, although I think the table was actually square. That is true. We'll call it rectangle table. So we got four people who went through the OCI process last year, all of whom were hired into the Toronto Bay Street market. Um, two summer students at Steichman Elliott, one at Denton's and one at Miller Thompson. Uh, we go through about 120 minutes. No, pardon me. 80 minutes 80 of audio. Minutes. So pretty long, but uh, feel free to fast forward through to the specific parts that uh, you're looking for information on. Um, what are those parts, Rich? So the way we broke the interview down was in a few parts. It starts off by discussing the application process, uh, whether uh, what's it's a good idea to attend uh, some of those summer events that take place before the application process. Then it transitions into having a discussion regarding the OCIs, how do you prepare for OCIs, the actual day of OCIs, and what kind of questions you can expect. Then it slowly goes into talking about the call day and uh, how do you schedule during the call day and the things you might expect, Uh, leading into discussion regarding the in-firm interviews, uh, again, questions you're going to be expecting, and as well having a discussion regarding the social events that also take place during the in-firm week. So there's a lot of good content uh, discussed during the podcast. And uh, like Chris mentioned, if you want to fast forward to any one of those sections, because those who are relevant to you at that moment, uh, definitely go ahead and do that. And uh, enjoy the ride. Let's get into it. Law School Show, Episode 2. Bringing right to you.
Welcome everybody. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today about your experiences during the recruitment process for the Toronto OCI as well as the Infirm interviews. Uh, before we get started, can we just quickly go around the table and do an introduction uh, for ourselves? We'll start here. Hi, my name is Vanya. I summered at Denton's in Toronto. And I'm Chris. I summered at Stegman Elliott in Toronto. I'm Gary and I summered at Miller Thompson in Toronto. And I'm Rishi, I also summered at Steichman Elliott in Toronto. So the way this we're going to break out this roundtable is in four different categories. We're going to, going to talk about the application process, the OCI interviews, the call day itself, and the infirm interviews. And along that, we will also be speaking about the different social events that come along with the infirm interviews. So without further ado, let's jump right into the application process itself. So the first question is, uh, and we'll start with Vanya here, uh, did you attend any firm tours in the summer uh, prior to applying to the different firms last year? And uh, do you actually recommend them? So I didn't, I didn't attend any firm tours, but I think they're a really good opportunity for students to come in and get a sense of what the firm is like. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to do that during in-firm week. However, the three days that you have is often not enough to really get a, sense, a good sense of what the firm is like. So if you want to come in to the firms and sort of meet people and get to know them, that'll give you a sense of what the firm is like. and You'll have a better idea going into the OCI process. Same experience for me. I didn't attend any um, of the actual events. And again, logistically, we're all U Ottawa students. So I think at that time, many of us were actually in Ottawa while it was going on. And, in Toronto or, or maybe in our hometowns if it happens during the summer. But uh, as my experience as a summer student attending those events, uh, I feel like it is a good opportunity to, just to schmooze a little bit, um, have some FaceTime with some lawyers and at least you know maybe have two or three meaningful conversations and get a couple of business cards. Yeah, uh, for me I had a different experience. I attended qu quite a lot of uh, firm tours in Toronto throughout the summer and I, I think I found that it helped me because at the time where students are researching on uh, about all of the firms and looking on the website and finding it difficult to distinguish the firms because the information might be fairly similar. The firm tour does a good job of kind of introducing you to the firm and, and putting a, a kind of a face to the firm so you can remember going forward uh, through OCI days. So I think it is a good idea, as, as everybody's mentioned, to go to the firm tour and, and introduce yourself and just get a feel for the firm. My experience has been uh, or was very similar to Gary's. Uh, we actually attended quite a few firm tours together. But what I found is it allowed you to, when you're looking at firms' websites, they all seemed very similar to me initially. But after going to the firm tours before the application, there were a few firms that would stand out to based on the culture and the culture that you can relate to. And that will not only help you make a better decision later on, but also help you with your application process. So whether it's customizing your cover letter uh, and also uh, speaking with different recruiters at the firm to determine what they're actually looking for. Yeah, it's amazing how almost every firm website says that they're looking for an entrepreneurial spirit. I like <laughs> heard that term one more time. I was like, wow. <laughs> All right. uh, so now jumping to the next one, talking about cover letters, I know a lot of students have questions about uh, what is customizing cover letter actually means. Do you have to customize the entire cover letter? Uh, can everybody just speak uh, briefly about what they did to customize their cover letter and one piece of advice uh, that they would have uh, to improve somebody's cover letter? We'll start with Gary. Well, I, I think that uh, definitely going to going to the firm tours, as we were just saying, uh, being there, there's certain things that will stand out uh, about 
about the firms. Uh, some will have certain uh, training programs in, in, in place that are very reputable and if, if that's something that, that, um, that stands out for you about the firm in terms of professional development, it's always good to put that in the cover letter to show that, that you've, done, uh, you've done some research on that. Um, in, in general, just, just expressing an interest in, 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 in the practice areas that you're interested in, I would say. Yeah, one word, personality. There's probably hundreds or even thousands of applications. Everyone's got great experience, everybody's smart, everyone's going to have a tight letter. So give it your own voice. I think generally one thing that I did when I was writing my cover letters was I actually stopped and tried to think about a bit of a theme as to like what I wanted to show in my cover letter. Not so much about what I did because that's really meant your resume is somewhere where you can list point. all the things that you've done. But really think about the kind of person that you want to brand yourself in your cover letter and how you want to be viewed by the recruiter who's reading or the lawyers that are reading these cover letters. So, I mean, if you want to demonstrate that you're a hardworking person and you take every opportunity to, you know, improve or, or whatever it is, try to think of those themes and weave them through your cover letter and then use your experiences to show how you've achieved those goals while then listing what you've done in your, in your resume. That's completely agree with you. It's, for me personally, the first part of the cover letter, you want to make sure that it's customized to the firm itself in the sense you want, you want to highlight things that attract you about the firm and why you're actually interested in the firm that you're applying to. And going to those tours might be helpful or even picking up the phone and speaking with a few associates or articling students, summer students uh, to learn about their experiences might also be helpful to customize that first part. For the remaining of the cover letter, I personally found that the hardest thing I had was looking at my past experiences and determining how that is relevant to my current application that I'm putting forward. So instead of just listing experiences like Vanya mentioned, which are in your resume already, you want to also address, hey, I did X, but this X is relevant to a summer at X firm because of whatever reason. So when somebody's reading it, by the time they're done reading it, it's clear in their head that you have done X, Y, Z, and that is going to be relevant for the firm because of the reasons that you have outlined. So it makes the person reading it easier for them uh, to make those connections instead of leaving it to them uh, to connect the dots for you. So uh, it's definitely good to spend that time uh, trying to relate your past experiences to what you bring to the table. Now, similarly, any advice that you guys might have for resumes and uh, how do you make your resume stand out from the big pile that a recruiter might have? We'll start with Chris. Resumes are tough because you're, you're bound to what you've actually done. So, <laughs> I mean, pick, pick again, pick the experiences that are the most unique and that actually built real skills. Don't pick the experiences that on their face just seem to be the most um, prestigious. I think, I mean, I have two points, I guess, with respect to cover letters and, sorry, I mean uh, resumes. Um, the first is one thing that I did was I tried to use, use as many descriptive verbs as I could in my, in my resume. So where I was describing I don't know, I had a research assistant position. I didn't say things like, oh, I completed this assignment. It was about drafting memos, analyzing legal topics, or whatever the case may be, but use, use verbs that are descriptive and relate to what you'll be doing in the summer or, or uh, things that the law firm will find. 
useful. Um, and then my second point is I found it useful to have a pretty large interest section as well. Uh, originally I thought this wasn't very important and I only had like two bullet points, but I found that when I increased it, it gave us something to talk about in the OCI interview and then again in the infirms and it was a good way to break the ice and just get everyone comfortable if you have experiences that are unique or, or you've done, you know, interesting things that you want to put in the cover in the in the intro section it'll give you something to talk about definitely and i just want to pick up on one point that chris mentioned in regards to everything that's in your resume make sure it's meaningful in the sense that say you're you had joined four or five different organizations in your undergrad or in law school but if you were just a member of those organizations and attended meetings that is not a meaningful experience and uh, if somebody were to ask you a question on that experience, you would not have a lot to add, on, add to it. So only add stuff in your resume which you feel you can have a good discussion with somebody about uh, because when you're going through the OCI process or the infirms, you'll be surprised as what the interviewer picks up on and you should have some substance to back that up. So be very careful as to what you put on and have some stories or some background to share about each one of those experiences. Yeah, no, I think uh, what everybody, or almost everything's been covered off, but I'll just echo Banya's point because I think she hit it spot on with the, with the interest section. Uh, it's something that at the time that I was going through the process, I wasn't quite aware of just, just how big that section is because, and we'll get into OCIs later, this, the specifics of the OCI, but a lot of the times the way that the OCI interview will start off is uh, the firms will try to e ease you in and make you feel uh, comfortable. And that a lot of the questions to do that comes from the interest section. And interestingly enough, a simple question from the interest section can then become your whole OCI. So you might not even touch on, on, on some of the more main experiences that you put in. So definitely try to, to put some uh, interesting things that, that distinguish you in, in that section of the resume. Yeah, and just to uh, follow up on Bonnie's point about interesting adjectives, uh, I was given a piece of advice that some of the key ones that uh, relate to the stuff that you're actually going to have to do while you're at a law firm are so adjectives like communicate, analyze, reading and drafting so have those in your in your resume sweet um, and one last point about cover letter and resume as a whole just and i know everybody says that please make sure the name of the firms and you have proofread not only yourself but have gotten your parents to proofread it have gotten your um, friends to proofread it because you'll be surprised uh, when you're drafting a lot of these applications that mistakes are bound to happen so it's good to have multiple eyes on it uh, for instance, Miller Thompson, the, the spelling of Miller Thompson is critical, right? Yeah, yeah there's no P in there. And weird folds is not weird. <laughs> there's no P in Miller Thompson, uh, remember that. Uh, so just to wrap up this application section, uh, I have been asked this question personally many times, uh, and I just wanted to make sure that we have a discussion around it. It is that, do you guys recommend name dropping people in your cover letter? Because uh, in, the, in the sense that people students might have spoken to during the summertime or different connections they might have in the firm. So what are your viewpoints on name dropping people in cover letters? So I've been asked the same question and I mean it's up to your, it's your choice, right? If you want to name drop, it's fine. But here's the thing. What I did in my cover letters when I spoke to students was I said that I spoke with a summer student at your firm. And that, what, I, what that does is it doesn't put that other student who's somewhere in there in a position to speak on your behalf, which may or may not happen if you do name drop them, I'm not sure. But what it also does is it gives you a question in the interview, right, where 
the the recruiter may say, oh, Gary, I saw that you you know worked with X person, or sorry, you spoke with X with a student. Who was the student? And so it gives you a question that you can be prepared for in an OCI. It might feel might be useful. Yeah, um, I I don't think it, it's going to hurt you or benefit you either way to put it to put a name in there. Um, but I do think that you have to be aware that if you put a name in there, that there's a chance that someone reading it is going to follow up with that person. So if you had a meaningful conversation with them and they're actually going to remember your name, then probably worth it. If they're not going to, then probably not worth it. Yeah, uh, for me, when I went through it, uh, several of my cover letters did have names, others didn't have names, and it didn't really make a, a, a difference. I think that you just have to be a bit careful because uh, it really depends on, on who you're putting uh, in, in in your cover letter. If it's somebody who, you know, maybe quickly said hi to in the hallway while you were uh, touring the firm, it's not necessarily the best um, person to be putting in because when they're asked about you and they don't remember uh, who you are, that's not going to uh, really benefit you too much. Um, however, if uh, I know some of the uh, firms have the individual tours where you go in and, and you go into the different offices, speak with some of the associates or even partners, if you have a meaningful uh, conversation there of um, maybe 10, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, it doesn't have to be a, a certain amount, but if it's, if it's a solid conversation and you think that, uh, that they'll definitely remember you and, and it left a very positive impression, it could be worth uh, putting the name in. I personally did not put uh, any names in my resume and cover letter. I did, however, mention, like Vanya said, that after attending a firm tour or after speaking to a few summer students at your firm, uh, because those instances did happen, but I wasn't comfortable dropping anybody's name because you're not sure what kind of day the other person might be having because a lot of the times the recruiters are going to be following up. So like Gary mentioned, if you're very confident about uh, the relationship you have established with the individual, then by all means, uh, put the person's name down because that will could help your application. Uh, but if you're unsure or you don't think the person might remember or maybe vaguely remember, uh, I would say be cautious and not put the person's name down. So that, that wraps up the application part of uh, the roundtable. Now we'll jump into the OCIs, which I know a lot of students will be going through in a few weeks. So can we just have a brief discussion about how did each one of you prepare for the OCIs? And while you're answering that question, if you want to talk a bit about how did you research the firms? Uh, did you reach out to any even individuals before you spoke uh, before the OCIs? And how many hours approximately you spent uh, researching and preparing yourselves for the OCIs? So we'll start with uh, Chris on this one. Um, so I, I prepared for the OCIs. Um, I did research firms. Um, I mean, I looked at every page on their, their websites and made sure that I had a, a cheat sheet formed that I could refer back to in the actual, um, like in between my interviews on the OCI day so that I brought all of the facts for that firm that I felt were important uh, front of mind. Um, I, I tried to not only read the websites, but also speak to people who might have some sort of experience or perspective on the firm that wasn't necessarily just listed on their website to build a, a broader perspective. Um, I did reach out to some individuals at firms, but only if I had an introduction. So I, for example, I, I knew some lawyers in Toronto who happened to know other lawyers at some Bay Street firms and they made the intro email and from that I was able to have a meaningful like half hour talk. So um, from that talk I was able to glean a lot, a lot of information about not only that person's practice area but the firm in general. Um, how many hours of research? I don't know. 
not less than three. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, my experience is that I, I don't know how many hours I would have done really because it all overlapped with writing the cover letter because I did the research for the firms there and then I had you know like a Word document with all of that information so I reviewed that. Um, I did speak with a couple of students and that was useful. It was good to just get a sense of, I mean, they might, might have known the recruiters that were coming in, so it was nice to just get some background information about their experiences in the summer and things to talk about. Uh, one point that I will add is uh, definitely research, like you'll know who you're interviewing, who's interviewing you, so definitely look into their background and you can find all that information on the websites so that you have a sense of who you're meeting with. And then I came up with one of the, the more difficult things to do is to try to come up with questions that can be answered in that little time that you have in, in an OCI. So I'd say I prepare, you know, I prepared a lot of like general questions and then also specific questions for the recruiters, especially if they practice in an area of law that I was interested in. Personally for me, I, I spent quite a bit of time researching the firms and going through the firm's website. I think one of the really good resources that every single student has in their own universities are the students who summered the summer prior and are back in the university now. So uh, it's good to reach out to those students because you can see them in the hallways and maybe grab a coffee with them and ask them about their summer experience and uh, what stood out for them when they were working. Uh, that's probably the easiest thing to do. I personally did not reach out to anybody in the firms uh, before OCIs, however I did do that before the in-firm interviews. In regards to preparing for it, what I had done is I created um, cue cards essentially. I created cue cards uh, which had questions about the firm that I might, I might have uh, thought about earlier and also had some outlines about the individuals I was going to meet so that it was top of mind and I could review that right before the OCIs. And also a few points that were unique to the firm. Uh, even though you might have done that research, it's good to create those cue cards that you can take to the OCI hall with you and review right before your interview. And the other key thing is definitely, definitely, definitely research the person that you'll be meeting prior to the OCS because a lot of the times the individuals you might be meeting might not even practice. And if you're going to be asking them a question about can you speak briefly about your practice area uh, and it turns out they don't practice, that doesn't look too good. So definitely look into the individual you're meeting and cater your questions around that. Yeah, for, for me, having been to... Um a firm tour for most of the firms that I OCI'd with, I already had a, a bunch of notes uh, when I actually went to the firm tour. So what I tried to do is just condense it into a cue card format where I would have a few points about the firm and what distinguishes the firm. And then I would also have the name of the people who were interviewing me and maybe a question or two for each, just so it's all there. Uh, and so you get a bit of a refresher before, before you step into that booth. Um, also, one of the things that, uh, as Rishi was saying, uh, a resource at your schools, people who've summered in the past, but also a great resource at, at your schools, mock interviews. Uh, so Ottawa had uh, a lot of mock interviews with the career services, but they also had mock interviews with practitioners who were uh, in Ottawa as well. And so I tried to to, to, to go to those as well. Interestingly enough, actually, uh, one of the mock interviewers that I had did put, my, did put my name forward to one of the firms that I ended up OCIing with later, so that, that was beneficial. Uh, only other thing I think I could add is that when you're researching the, the different uh, interviewers that you're going to have, uh, 
another benefit of, of doing that research and, and figuring out if, if they are lawyers or, or not lawyers is you may find that you have a lot in common with that particular interviewer and that's and that could lead to um, a question that you could ask them as well so yeah. yeah well I got one final point to add here that's kind of obvious but often overlooked and that's just to pre prepare yourself mentally and physically for the day so it is stressful there's a lot that goes on there's a lot of focus required so you know, whatever you do to re reduce your cortisol and maintain stress, do that on the day of before you go to the, like, get a good night's sleep, make sure your, your clothes are ready in line, like, laid out, so, um, difficult sometimes to execute, but worth, worth a shot. Definitely. And the day before, though, see, as you probably just want to take it easy, have some coffees, and yeah. put your mind at ease. Prioritize it. Uh, just like the day before the LSATs, you know, similarly, I think a lot of people give that same viewpoint that uh, you should take it easy before the LSAT. All right, jumping to the next question, can I guess one of you uh, describe the scene at the location where OCI was conducted in Ottawa specifically and how the room was laid out, uh, if anything there's uh, stood out for any of you? Yeah, so um, it was held at a convention center in Ottawa. So you're going to walk into the doors and there's going to be people from the school sitting at a table that sort of check you in, you check your name off. There is two rooms. Room A is where the actual interviews are conducted. Picture walking into a big convention center with all of these little booths just lined up one against the next. Um, there are literally curtains that you pull open to enter the booth and there is a placard on top of it that says the name of the firm. Um, there's a chart in front of that room that lays out um, by number where each firm is. So understand that because it's um, important to just get there quickly. The interviews are what, like 20 minutes long, right? Um, room B is 17 minutes long, so yeah, I get there even faster. So room B is sort of the, like, like the breakout room, so it's a social place where um, you can just be when you're not actually in an interview, um, and then you can also just go outside and get away from that and be by yourself if that's something that um, benefits you. Um, I guess the, the two other sort of scenarios, um, one is you line up, you know what time your interview is, so you're going to line up with a big group of people before they say, they basically open the doors and say go. So understand that that's going to happen. You're going to see someone you know if, you know, you either put your blinders on and stay focused, which is totally cool. This is about you, it's not about other people. Um, or otherwise, maybe you want to have a chat with your friend who's also going to interview at that point to sort of, you know, chill out. But uh, yeah. And you you might notice that different booth, uh, booths are laid out differently. Some firms might have a table in the middle and they, they might have your resume and cover letter open or some firms might just push the table to the side and want to just uh, have like sit down casually with you and have a conversation. So each room will be laid out a bit uh, differently. And the other thing is that some firms like to, at the end of the interview, give something back to you, such as a bottle of water, uh, their t-shirts and whatnot. So that room B that Chris just spoke about, it, just find an area there where you can store your stuff during the day. And at the end of the day, you can pick it all up and bring it back home. Bring food. That's always good too. Definitely. Sorry, one point I'll add to the OCI, the scenes are, I mean, I agree with everything that's already been said, the scene is, is what it is. Um, but one thing you'll find is, in addition to getting gifts and whatnot from firms, they'll also give you their business cards. And one tip that is, I'm sure everyone's already heard of, but um, you can write notes on the back of the business card to remind you of how, you know, something unique that might have happened at that interview. 
um, something that you discuss that you can then incorporate into your thank you letters afterwards. And it's easy because you know, you know, like the, the recruiter just gave you their card, so you know that you're writing on the back. Well, provided that you're writing on the back of the right card, you'll know that that's that's who you will um, add that fact to in their in their thank you letter at the end. Yeah. Well, so that's a great point. And it's not just uh, you, sh you might want to do that, you definitely should write right after uh, right after an interview as you're walking out, start writing behind the card a couple of things that stood out to you because as we'll speak uh, later on about thank you letters after the OCIs are important. Uh, and if you have a few things that stood out in your mind, they probably stood out in the recruiter's mind as well. So uh, uh, it's good to highlight those, uh, those points in the thank you email that you're sending them so they know who's the individual that's sending them the, the email. So what, what tools did uh, each one of you use to stay calm and focused throughout the day? I know we spoke briefly about that, but are, is there anything special that you did during the day just to make sure that you were focused? I think initially uh, everybody's nervous, definitely for, for the first, uh, first OCI or, or two that you have, but I found that as, as you kind of go, go through them, it's, it just becomes uh, momentum and, and the nerves uh, slowly start to settle. So I'm not sure if it was anything in particular that I did before. I think uh, I would be nervous if I were to do it again for, for, for the first couple, but definitely uh, as you go through it and get, and get a feel for how the interviews are going to be conducted and what kind of questions uh, you, you'll, you'll be hearing, many of which over and over and over again, you start uh, settling in and feeling comfortable throughout the day. Yeah. For me, it was uh, my cue cards, healthy food, music, fresh air. Yeah, I think people have different ways of, I mean, everyone has different ways of dealing with stress. I just talked to people in my break time. I was just, it made me happy to just talk to my friends and that way I had, I was happy going into my interviews and, and it worked out for me. Yeah, it's, it's critical to make sure that you keep your energy up throughout the day because interview, the interviewers would have interviewed 20 different candidates throughout the day and during the afternoon after the lunchtime you will notice the energy level kind of decreases. So it's your role as the interviewee to go in and get the energy back in the room. So yeah. even though you might be feeling that it's been a long day for you, just push through till that 5 o'clock hits and uh, go in with a smile and uh, like an upbeat energy and you will see that actually plays a huge role in the interview and one last thing from my side it's uh, one thing i did is after each you'll notice that some ocis go better than others so it's very important that as soon as you walk out of that oci room you forget about that specific oci and start preparing for the next one if you let say a bad oci impact you for the next couple then you're decreasing your chances for those firms as well so as hard as it might be, just when the when the OCI is done, write down your notes behind the business cards and then forget about what just happened and think of what you're going to do next and get that energy back up. Easier said than done. <laughs> For sure. And what's the... Oh, one point on energy. Um, you'll have a lunch time, but I found I snacked throughout the day so that I didn't eat a heavy lunch and then was really tired in my interviews in the afternoon. So I just ate all day and that was always... Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I was going to say similar in, in the lunch break uh, that they had. Uh, definitely try to use that and, and actually eat during that time because that's that's the opportunity to, to regain that energy unless you'll be snacking throughout the day. So, Or some people just don't get hungry and uh, <laughs> don't eat till 5.30 like myself. And then at that point you crash. Uh, all right, Ken, uh, let's talk about the interviews, the OCS themselves, because I... I know a lot of students are interested in finding out what kind of questions are asked during the OCS and what kind of experiences each one of you had. So if you can briefly talk about what kind of questions you received, did you see any patterns starting to develop as you went through the day? 
and uh, anything that uh, stood out to you or you found tricky during the OCIs. And one last thing, if you can mention also, when did in different OCIs did the interviewers turn it over to you to ask the questions as well? So we'll start with uh, Gary on this one. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's a variety of questions. I think my, my first question of, of, of the whole day was, tell me something that's not on your resume that I should know about you. I thought that was an interesting way to, to, to start it off. I also had questions of, uh, what were you not asked by, by other firms? Um, but in general, uh, I think why law school is one that's pretty common. Why are you interested in law is pretty common. Uh, why this firm? I would definitely, and, and that's, that's where your, your preparation comes in. Um, what else? Um, in terms of, I'll think of a couple more, but in terms of when it was turned over to me, um, generally the interviews are 17 minutes in length and I think with a couple of minutes left they, they turn it over and that gives you enough time to get in a couple of questions or, or at least one question depending on how long the answer is on, on the interviewer's end. So uh, I found that almost all of the firms that I interviewed with, it was with a couple of minutes left. The OCI. Yeah, I mean, I second all that. Um, basically, you're going to get a lot of those fastball questions that are repeated throughout the day. Um, you're going to get the odd curveball. I mean, someone asked me, "Who do you admire most in the world?" And that 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 was probably the most off-putting question that I got all day. But um, and I think when you do get one of those questions that catches you off guard, you know, acknowledge that it's a good question buy yourself 15 seconds with a little bit of useless banter and then actually give an answer. Like, don't ever not answer something. Um, and uh, yeah, it's conversational in tone. You don't feel like it's a job interview. You feel like it's a, a discussion. You know, I think for a couple, I felt like I was talking to my aunt, you know, the, like the body language, the eye contact. You gotta remember, these are like human resources experts. So they know how to make you feel comfortable. And for the most part, it's their goal to make you feel comfortable. So enjoy that fact and uh, yeah, and just, just enjoy the day. Like it's about you. It's about your career and your, um, your development. Um, I agree with everything that's been said. In terms of the structure of the interview, I found that it often started with a point that was on my in my interest category as a way as an icebreaker. So one of the things that I had is I won this latte con contest. Um, <laughs> I invented a latte. It tasted like Nutella. It was great. It was featured all over the country. Anyway, random fact like that I included in my interest section. Um, and then that was the starting point to almost every single interview. It was like, oh, you've invented this latte. And then it went from there into you know questions like, why law school and, and generic ones like that. Um, I found, and maybe this was just an odd observation on my part, that in the morning interviews there are a lot more questions about school, whereas in the afternoon a lot they were a lot more focused on work. I don't know if they just got bored of hearing about school stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's that's about it. So we're, so we're going to be taking a break now and having this latte, which uh, we just found out about. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, for me personally, I found that the interviews, there was no set standard for each of the OCIs. They were uh, different based on the firms you were speaking with. For instance, there were few firms that focused solely on my professional experience, and there were few that uh, talked mainly just about interest. And th there was one OCI which I had where I spent 17 minutes talking about my sister's engagement. Uh, it just kind of came up in the first minute of the interview because they had asked me what I had done the summer prior. And then we ended up talking about the engagement for the remainder of the time and I didn't even get a chance to ask a question. So 
that all that to say that you have to be prepared to speak about essentially anything that's in your resume because it's very likely they might pick up a very minute point in your resume and ask you a lot of details about it. Another example is uh, our, we have, in Ottawa, we have our first year mood competition and a lot of us have that in our resume. And I got asked about the mood, but not only just about the mood problem itself, but also what was our strategy going into the mood itself and uh, how did we lay out our argument. So having that kind of depth about the the mood itself was useful. Otherwise, I would have uh, just blanked out. So anything that you have in your resume, make sure you can back it up uh, and keep those interest section exciting so that you can get the conversation started. In regards to when it was turned over to me, it was also diverse. There were many times it was turned over to me when there were a couple of minutes left, but there were also a few times when it was turned over to me when, uh, say, eight minutes into the interview. So I had a lot of time to ask questions. And that not necessarily is a bad sign if that happens because a lot of those firms did give me in-firm interviews afterwards. So don't get put off as soon as if they turn it over to you quickly. It might just be that they have gotten everything that they need to get out and they just want to make sure that you have enough uh, chance to ask questions as well. So just because it gets turned over to you at eight minutes, I know initially I was very hesitant that, oh my God, it's going really badly, but it necessarily wasn't a bad sign. Uh, so anybody else, anything to add on the questions or the OCS interviews itself? I, I think also just one, one thing I would add is if you state um, a very specific interest in a practice area of law that, that you like to work in, you may be asked why and, and, and what's led you to, to this particular practice area. Have you had experience in it? Why are you interested? For, so for me, in my cover letter, I was very specific with certain practice areas that I wanted and that came up a lot of my OCIs of why? Why that practice area? What do you know about it? And if you, if you are going to do that, make sure that the firm actually has a practice area yeah. <laughs> in, that, in that field and not just one lawyer. Um, I'll add one more point to preparing for OCIs and just OCIs generally. Uh, one of the best things you can do is to annotate your resume. And by that, I mean come up with a story for everything that you, can, that you have listed in your resume so that if someone asks you about your experience, you already have prepared um, some kind of description of what that is and, and you've thought through the question. So annotating is, I found personally to be very useful. So now I know we have spoken about different parts of the OCI process, but if you just had to give one piece of key advice for people going through OCIs, what would it be? And we'll start with Chris. Uh, make your story. So why in the past, like what happened in the past that's led you to be sitting in that chair? And how do you see the next X years playing out going forward? Aside from annotating your resume, I just say try to be yourself and, and realize that it's these are just people and it's a process and it's awkward and can be you know, kind of scary, but if you just relax, take a deep breath and, and do it, you'll be fine. Yeah, I would also echo that and say be yourself and, and for the reasons that uh, Vanya mentioned, also because um, if you end up working at uh, whatever firm you, you, you end up working at, they hired you based on that person that you were and so you want to you be yourself and not somebody who you're not because otherwise it won't be a very enjoyable summer experience. And from my side, you will notice that, that the OCI is not a typical job interview that you might have had in the past. It is indeed a conversation about a variety of things to find connection between the interviewer as well as yourself. So uh, being yourself, like uh, it has been mentioned already, is critical and also just enjoy the process. If you are taking it very, very seriously during the OCI itself, uh, 
uh, you might not give the best answers and it might not uh, the OCI might not flow as it's supposed to so go with the flow during the OCI process definitely put in the work prior and then take the process seriously but during the OCI's um, have a good conversation with the interviewer and see if you can find some uh, common connections. Also in the similar theme, uh, let's talk about one thing that you would recommend not to do during the OCI uh, day itself or the interview uh, or any funny stories you might have had. Well, I think uh, it's about first impressions. Um, so the energy you give out and the answers you give, um, they resonate a little bit more loudly with the person that's interviewing you than what you might think because you just know them cold because you know yourself. So. Um, my advice is don't be negative. Uh, I would say just be careful with jokes, any any sort of jokes. It wasn't it wasn't an experience that I had myself, but just through other people I know you. It's it's a very careful line that you want to balance between making any sort of joke that might offend somebody, and so try to just be respect respectful of uh, the interviewers who are, who are interviewing you. Yeah, I, I mean, you guys have pretty much covered everything. Uh, one thing, no. You don't want to forget to send thank you emails. I guess that's after the OCIs. Uh, it, they're really important. They demonstrate to the firm that you're still interested. So, and they kind of keep you in the in the pool of applicants. So, it's really important to send thank you emails. That's one thing I would make sure you do at the end of the day. From uh, my side, it would be that even before the OCI, they make sure, as it was mentioned before, that you're well prepared. So whether it's clothes, uh, making sure you have ties, shirts, everything's ironed and ready to go the day of. Uh, you have the food ready, uh, whatever snacks you might want to take, uh, pens and whatnot. So all of that is set up the day prior. So on the day of when you wake up, it's a very smooth day. You take a cab, make sure you line up the cab the day before as well and take it to the convention center. So, because if you're running around the morning off, then uh, the first few OCS might not go the way you intend to. So don't not prepare. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, all right, so that, that wraps up our OCI discussion. Uh, now we will go into the process that happens after OCI, which is the call day. And that is when the firms call you and let you know that they would like to invite you for the in-firms, as well as uh, they will try to line up some social events, such as a reception, dinners, lunches, and whatnot. So uh, if you guys can briefly talk about how your quality event or if anything unexpected happened that you were not uh, uh, looking forward to on the call day itself. So we'll start with Gary on this one. Uh, nothing unexpected on my end. I think in, in general, and this is the, the advice that the most people will get at the stage that they're planning their inference. The earlier you schedule the firm, the better. So there's the 8.30 time slot. There's the, F is the 10 a.m., I think, 8.30, 10 a.m. So those, uh, for, for the top two firms uh, that, that, that you have, you don't necessarily have to slot them in that spot, but I, I found that that's what most of the students did, and, and that's kind of a signal to, to, to the firm that they are high on your list, and it also opens up that opportunity to come back either later that day or, or on the Tuesday when you get that, that uh, early interview in, as opposed to putting them on the Tuesday, at which point they would have already gone through a full day of interviews with uh, other students. So I would say the earlier the better, but that's not, I mean, I, th I think different firms go about it a different way. I think any time on Monday is good, but I mean, you want to schedule the firms that you're really interested on the Monday, and as long as you put them in on the Monday, I don't think it, it matters as much because preferences change through the process. Um, and I, I mean, things, I'm trying to think of unexpected things. I had a call from a firm that told me they wanted me in at eight, and I was like, they, the way that it worked out was that like 
that wasn't necessarily the order that I would have gone with, but because they offered it, I took it and things, then the rest of my day changed. But I mean, it, it, it works out. Yeah, I think uh, it, it happens quick on call day. So, and I mean like the, the calls come in quickly and sort of all at the same time. So just have your logistics set up, like have a pen, have paper, have a calendar open, have your system to manage um, like call waiting or um, like your answering machine. So are you going to answer a call or not? Um, just know what your actions are going to be and stick to them. Um, yeah, that's it. I think call waiting is a good point actually. So if you, I turned it off. I didn't want any beeping while, uh, while I was on the phone with another firm. So I called my provider and I told them just put a busy signal because that way you'll, they'll just call you back. I don't know if that's yeah. what everyone's doing. I did, I did exactly the same thing because the calls do come all together. And if you're talking to one firm, you don't want to be constantly get interrupted. And uh, don't be scared to do that because the firms will keep on calling you back until they get a hold of you. And the other thing is, don't be scared to not like push back a bit in the sense that if 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 the you have a schedule in mind and the firm offers a time to you, it's okay to ask them back that hey, if eight doesn't work for me, would would ten work for you? And a lot some a lot of the times they would be willing to do that. And sometimes if they're not, then then you can work around your schedule again and see if you can move some other firms around. The calls do happen very quickly, so it's okay to take a couple of minutes during the call and just kind of have that discussion. Also during the call day, what actually before the call day, a lot of firms would have sent you the emails already letting you know that we intend to call you. So you will have a general idea about who you will be expecting a call from. So you can kind of make a tentative schedule before the call day itself and try to slot uh, according to the tentative schedule that you have. It might not work all the time, but might not be a bad uh, practice. And lastly, uh, firms would also want to do social events with you. So those receptions, the dinners, and that is sometimes they would let you know ahead of time in the email that they want, they want to schedule a certain events with you. Or a lot of the times it might be just during the call itself and they offer you a dinner or a reception. So uh, those ones, it's, it might happen that they conflict with some of the other events that you have. So during the call day, it might be hard to make sure you get a perfect schedule, but it's okay to even call them afterwards if you have a conflict and have a discussion that, hey, I really want to attend your reception, but for whatever reason it conflicts, is it possible to do it not Monday, but Tuesday, for instance? Or if a dinner conflicts, then you can say it's my, there's a conflict, is it okay if I come in for lunch the next day? So as long as you're not saying no right away and not uh, offering an alternate, it, it should be okay. So just make sure you have an alternate scenario if there's a conflict that's happening and you can have those discussions with the firm even the day after. Uh, the other thing is sometimes they won't give you the actual time in advance. So you won't know when your dinner is, in some cases, you won't know when your dinner is and you may know that you know there's, there's a couple receptions but you don't know what time they're at. That's normal and uh, that happened to me, for instance, like I didn't actually know what the when the times were on call day, but then you get emails afterwards. So again, like Rishi said, if you do have a conflict, then it's fine to contact the recruiter, whoever's organizing the event and just discuss uh, and work out an alternative. Anything else to add? So that, that wraps up the call day. Now you have lined up all your interviews and now you're preparing for the infirm. So uh, uh, let's have a discussion regarding how did each one of you prepare for the firms? Is there something you did differently than uh, preparation for the OCI itself? Uh, and if you reached out to individuals at the firm while you were at it. So we'll start with Vanya. 
So one thing I did also for the OCIs, but it's very important for the infirms as well, is I researched who I was interviewing with. Um, in some cases, there were, actually often I found there were people who practiced in an area of law that I had in, indicated somewhere that I was interested in. So in some cases, it turned out that the person that was interviewing me had written articles on the subject. So in some cases, I went into even further, I researched further and read some of the articles that they'd written so that I had a sense of you know, what their practice area was like. Um, so I did a lot more research on the individual people that I was interviewing with because you'll be sitting there with them for you know a good hour. It's good to know what what topics you can you know you can discuss. Um, so I think that is one thing I did differently. Just the depth of research that I did is different than I did in OCIs. Yeah, same. I mean, it's it's a pretty similar preparation process to what you're doing for OCIs. So. Um, you know, take all of those principles and apply them to the infirm and just drill down even deeper because you're going to be spending more time with the people. Um, the other part is just your logistics. So if you are not familiar with Toronto, make sure you know what floor the, you know, what floor the firm's on, where the building is, how you get in, how you get out. Um, because that stuff can get confusing, especially if it's um, like a rainy day or something. And uh, so just make sure that, you know, you eliminate any guesswork. And, um, on that point, there are some buildings where the elevators are on different floors or where elevators take you to odd slash even floors. So those are also things you want to look out for. Yeah, yeah. for me to just think of how to prepare differently, uh, at, the, at this point I called up some of the articling students that were at the firm just to kind of get some of the questions out that I felt maybe weren't addressed uh, after, after my OCI. So any, any sort of final wrap-up questions that I wanted to know about the firms that were interviewing me. And also uh, one thing I did was uh, just looked at some of the lawyers in the firm who were practicing in the area that I was interested in, just because those might be lawyers that I uh, would want to meet throughout the in-firm process. So I just had a few names in mind for, for some of the firms of people who I wanted to meet down the road as, as I was in-firming there. Yeah. That's a really good point because usually at the end of the infirms, uh, either they will say we'll be in touch with you and whatnot, or they might just ask you right there if there's anybody else that you are really interested in meeting. So if you do have a few names, it's not necessary that you need to have a few names. You might just have practice areas that you're interested in. Uh, but if you do have a name, that, that could work as well because the firms would try to connect you with that specific lawyer. In regards to the preparation for uh, logistic purposes, it I think it might be a good idea to actually get a hotel room with, with a friend downtown because it just eases that commute in the morning and takes out the guesswork. So if you're commuting, say, from far areas like Brampton, Mississauga, then you're reliant on the GO train. So it might be a good idea just to get a, a hotel downtown and the night before just go and do a walkthrough for the different firms uh, based on what your interview schedule looks like. In regards to preparation for the interview itself, I also reached out to a few articling students before the infirm process just to learn more about their experiences and uh, learn about the different practice areas of the firm. Also, one thing that's different in infirm and OCIs is the number are the number of questions you are expected to ask. So in OCI, it goes by very quickly and you probably can only get in a few couple of questions. But during the infirm, it most likely you'll be having a discussion for 40, 45 minutes with a given lawyer. And a lot of that discussion is uh, you asking questions as well as them asking questions. So it's, no, it's not going to be a typical interview where they just grill you on your resume, but more so a conversation where they also want to see that you're interested in the firm and you're actively participating in that conversation that you're having with the lawyer. So definitely have a, more questions lined up uh, for the individuals that you're meeting and they might not 
not always do they have to be specific to the lawyer you're speaking to. It might just be any questions you have regarding the student uh, recruitment process that they have or uh, what kind of work they give to the students, like general questions as well are okay sometimes. I think that dynamic also changes. So on day one, I found a lot of my interviews were about me and, you know, that the lawyers asking me questions. Whereas if you come back for a second interview, there's more, there's an expectation that now it's your turn to ask questions. And that makes sense, right? Because at that point, you're trying to figure out where you fit in and then you want to ask, you'll, you'll have an opportunity to ask more questions on the second day and you can ask more meaningful questions that'll help you make a decision in the end. Yeah, I had interviews where they, you know, the interviewer said, what do you want to know? And then didn't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. And that, that actually is a likely scenario for Tuesday or Wednesday, if you're going back on Wednesday as well, uh, where at that point, they just want to sell you on the firm or they want to make sure that it's clear in your head uh, when you're making your own decision. So a lot of the times their goal is to make sure they, that they can answer any questions you might have. So... Also, I mean, sometimes you run out of questions. I, I got to one, you know, you get to a point sometimes where you're just tired of asking the same questions and it's no longer important. You know, the answers aren't as important to you as it is maybe to meet more people. Mm -hmm. So in my experience, I just said, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll ask, okay, well, do you have any more questions? And I said, honestly, no, I'm here to meet as many people as I can so I can get a sense of the firm to see whether you can actually fit in because Fit's really important. It's an elusive topic that everyone drops and talks about, but it's actually really important. And I think the only way that you'll know whether you fit in or not is if you meet as many people as you can and, and if you can connect with as many people. Uh, it'll give you a sense of what the firm's like and it'll help you decide whether you see yourself working there. So let's go a bit deeper into the interview itself and talk a bit about what kind of questions were you asked during these interviews if they were different than the OCIs and whether there were times when you realized that you're running out of time and you had uh, an interview that was scheduled after, uh, you know, that you had to get to as well. So if there's anything you did to make sure that you were able to meet all, meet all your appointments. So we'll start with Gary on this one. Uh, I'd say that they were pretty similar to, to the OCIs, but as, as I went along into the, the Tuesday uh, and then the Wednesday, as I wanted to mention, I was, I was starting to ask uh, a lot more of the questions, but I, I think I found that the uh, the, the interviewers were just digging deeper into certain things. So, for example, I was uh, interviewing at a lot of the corporate firms and I had a business background. And so I was being asked a lot more about my business background and kind of how, how that would fit in into, into certain areas of the practice, uh, practice areas that they had. So just a bit more about my past. Uh, in terms of if I ran over time in any of the interviews, uh, actually I did. I was uh, one of the firms that, that I was interviewing with longer than, than the, the two hours that's, that's usually uh, allocated. And so, so that, was, that was a bit of a, of a challenge because I, I had a, a firm right after uh, that I was uh, a bit late for. But I think it's important to manage your time knowing that that, that can happen. And, and just uh, if you have a watch, uh, which, which I highly rec recommend to do, don't, don't be checking your phone uh, because then seem like you're, you're, you're texting or, or not interested. If you have a, a watch, definitely just, just check up on that, uh, you know, after, after about an hour or so, hour and a half point. And if you have something uh, that, if you have an interview that's upcoming and, and the t Toronto setting could be a bit confusing in terms of getting to the different buildings and figuring out the elevator systems, just have that in mind to make sure that you don't, uh, you don't arrive late to your next interview because that's not the most ideal way to start off. Yeah, I mean, 
you're, you're either going to be, I found, you're either going to be driving the car in the interview, which means that you're going to be um, pushing the conversation by asking questions and trying to, you know, go forward, or you're going to be in the passenger seat for the interview, where your interviewer is asking most of the questions and they're steering the conversation. Um, I think both of those things are fine. Um, it's just a time where you use your people skills, and you, you've got to be able to read people a little bit and understand if, um, you know, what, what they what they're looking for out of the conversation and. Uh, you have more time to be yourself in here. So, I mean, just, um, yeah, elaborate. And, um, you know, questions are gonna be pretty similar to what you had in the OCIs. Um, yeah, again, it's, it's just so much about being yourself and like um, kind of sticking to that, you know, that story that you have, um, just drill down deeper into it. And it's a, you know, a little bit of salesmanship is okay, like without being, cocky or, or bragging like you you do have to highlight your skills so this is an interview and they do want to hire people with skills so make sure that you talk about them at some point and you know weave in some of your good experiences into your story and um and be yourself yeah i'd say that a lot of the questions were very similar to the oci questions but you had more time to explain you know give like chris said give your story and and answer the questions properly um, so I didn't, I didn't find any surprises really in, in the interviews because they were very, very similar to the OCI. Sometimes I, there was one, one interview that was entirely a conversation. Um, it wasn't, you know, there was just a little bit of questions about my resume, but really we talked about my dog and, and the, the parks that I used to like take my dog to and, and good places for dogs in Toronto. Um, I'm a big dog fan. Again, that was in my intro section. So... <laughs> I think that, I mean, you really have to be yourself. I think that's so key and, and just, I mean, these, they're not your friends, obviously, like they're the people that you're interviewing with are lawyers and, and you have to recognize that they're not your friends, but you can still be yourself and have a friendly conversation. Um, I'd say most firms were really respectful of the time that you had it and didn't, I didn't have any instances where I was uh, kept longer. There were times where you know I was cutting it close, but I kept an extra pair of flat shoes in my bag, and I would change and run. Um, There's a lot of running, so there's that. I also um, would snack in between as I ran, on like granola bars or power bars. Often the firms will have a break room with with food, so I mean that's where you go and you talk to the articling students after. Um, so that was my. I guess that was my experience. I, I found it very challenging to leave the receptions. I don't know if we're, if this is something I want to maybe touch on now is you just have to be really good at checking your watch without people knowing that you're checking your watch and then, and then kind of, um, just keep an eye on the time. But I'd say like most firms are really respectful of, of the two hour slots. And, and even on the first day interviews ran between one, I'd say like an hour and a half to an hour and 45 still gives you some time. No, I, I echo Vanya's point. Uh, I also found that most of the firms were quite respectful of the time. There was uh, one occasion where I ran out of time, uh, but I was the other firm was very understanding as well. Uh, what you would find is in most of your interviews, you are going to have a go-to person in that firm. So whether it's an articling student or maybe an associate, and that is the individual who's going to be communicating with you or taking you around during the interview day. So when you go into a firm, uh, it might be a good idea just to mention to that individual, hey, I have an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes or two hours that I'm willing to, that I can interview at this firm and then I have another appointment to get to. Uh, those individuals are quite respectful and they would ensure that you get out. And I 
most of the individuals that I told them that I only had two hours, they did a really good job of making sure I was out of there in about an hour and 45 minutes so that I can get to my uh, next interviews. Yeah, and that's a sign of professionalism and confidence on your part, right? Like, they, everyone knows that most people have more than one interview or, you know, even if you don't have more than one interview, you probably have other obligations in that day. So, you know, staying true to those and um, I think is important. I didn't, sure. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to echo what Rishi said in terms of uh, giving whoever is touring you uh, around or taking you to the to the different offices a bit of a, a, a time frame from from which you'll 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 likely be dealing with. Uh, not only does it show professionalism, as Chris said, but it also really helps you relax, knowing that somebody is kind of looking out for the time. Um, for you as well and that when when you reach that time whether it be an hour and a half or or 45 minutes they'll kind of uh, signal to whatever lawyer you're interviewing with that it's it's kind of time for you to move on to your next destination so definitely I would highly recommend to do that and also um, in regards to so questions I think everybody has covered it it's very similar to OCI's uh, just a deeper discussion that you'll be having with the individuals the other thing I want to point out is you're still in an interview no matter when you're going through the hallways of the firm, no matter if you're talking to the articling students there or the associates there. In the elevators. In the, in the elevators or the social events that you're having where you're having drinks. So all of that is all part of an interview. And yes, you're going to get comfortable with a few individuals, which is a really good sign because that shows that you fit into the firm. But make sure that you're watching what you're saying at all those times and realizing that's still an interview. So you don't want to be going around swearing and you want to be make sure not only that you're just generally a nice person, but also a nice person to every single individual that you're meeting there. Uh, because all of that, they look into uh, when they're finally making their decision. That includes other students. I, I just want to point out as well, I think that sometimes we're so concerned with the lawyers, but, but I mean, all the social events are an opportunity to observe how you interact with other students. So um, I, I think, I mean, everyone is, I'm sure everyone's very nice, but I think it's important to be courteous and and nice to other students going through the process because that's something that that recruiters and I think lawyers will be looking out for as well. Yeah. So did uh, all of you guys send thank you emails and to who did you send these thank you emails to during the intro process? Yes, not to every lawyer. Sometimes I would send like the same email to two or three people. I think it's one of those things that you're not going to really gain any points by sending the emails, but you could lose points by not. I, I guess I'd echo the same tip I gave for OCIs is when I got business cards from the people I was interviewing with, I put a little point on the back about something that we had discussed or something that came up in the interview. You'll probably meet a lot of people, especially at the social events, and there is no by no means an obligation to email everybody. But I would definitely email the people that you've interviewed with just to thank them for their time and you know maybe maybe include a point as of something that you know came up in the interview so that it can make you a little bit more memorable i'm not sure that it's one of those um, things like an oci's where it can take you out but i think it's i think it's just respectful to say thank you for you know for taking the time to interview me i, I echo what bonnie i just said i don't think it's essential to send emails to every single person you meet in a reception and whatnot, but definitely I would recommend sending thank you emails to the, each of the individuals that you interviewed with and you spent 30, 40 minutes talking. I'm sure you found something common there that you can uh, say in your thank you email and also just thanking them for taking the time and having a good conversation with you. So those thank you emails are important, but what might be a bit different than OCI's is 
it might be tough to write right after the interview on the business cards because you might have, say, an articling student is taking you to the next interview. So, and you want to take that time to actually speak with the articling students. It's also what I did was as soon as the entire interview was over, that hour and 45 minutes, and while I'm walking to the next firm, I would write down quickly and jot down the points as to what I just, who I had spoken with and anything that uh, stood out to me during the, those interviews. Yeah, and, and that's a very good point, Barishi, because then uh, during the OCIs, you know that you'll, for example, have two interviewers from a firm or maybe one one interviewer from a firm, so it's easy to kind of keep track of all the people who, who interviewed you. You'll have a list of names, but uh, at the end firm, there could be more than, uh, than maybe they'll email you. If, if you get an email from a firm that there'll be five interviewers, well, you might go to a few more offices or certain interviewers might step into the office as you're interviewing with others, and the names could pile up very quickly, and if you have a lot of firms that you're informing within a day, that's, that's a lot of names by the end of the day. So definitely as you get business cards, just uh, take a few notes down of uh, conversations that you had with that interviewer, just so you could uh, have, have a, distinguish your emails and, and have something interesting to say in terms of what you talked about with the interviewers, because uh, that'll help a lot come nighttime when you're starting to send those out. Yeah, I find that uh, like when I was blasting from one office to the next, that actually writing something down was impossible because you're downtown Toronto with thousands of people. So I do voice memos. I would have the business card and say the person's name and then like just speak into my phone three little points. And I just found that a lot easier to, to manage. And also, um, as Gary um, uh, mentioned, sending emails at night is a good timing. Like you don't have to send it right after. So just before the next round of interviews, before Tuesday, hit the send button. Yeah, especially if you're running around on your phone, you I recommend going back to your hotel or going back home and typing it up on a computer where you can actually read it properly. Yeah. The chance you're going to have a typo in your email on the phone is much higher when you're running around in Toronto. And it also doesn't matter how late you send the emails. I know, you know, by the time that you get home, uh, it could be very late, but just power through, send them off and yeah. and and, you, and most of the students uh, do send them late, and I know all of us were <laughs> emailing even each other <laughs> as we were sending them late yeah. at night. So uh, yeah, it's perfectly fine, and it's better to send a correct thank you email versus having one with typos that you're sending as you're going from firm to firm. Yeah. So the other question I know a lot of students have is, how do you show your interest to the different firms? And there's a lot of talk about telling firms that they're number one. So what are your viewpoints on telling different firms that they are your number one choice? So we'll start with Chris. Uh, you, you just gotta be honest about it. I think that's the only way to go. I mean, if if you lie and tell four different firms they're your number one, like there is a chance they're gonna speak to each other. And you know, I, I've heard it from the people that make the decisions that in fact, sometimes they do speak to each other. So um, yeah, you gotta be honest about it. I think there's also other ways that, I mean, it's pretty clear if you've told a number of firms that they're your number one, but you only showed up to like one interview and whatnot. I think there are other ways of showing interest as well. And one way is to just keep, like come back and meet as many people as you can because it shows that you're genuinely interested in finding out what that firm is about. Um, but I would also on like the Wednesday tell, contact the recruiters and tell them if you're interested and if you, if you, you know, want to work there, you should let them know because they need to know when they're making the decisions. Yeah, no, I think I would echo what, what Vanya and Chris uh, said for sure in terms of sh showing an interest. I found for me uh, expressing an interest to meet more people, uh, e even potentially if you know that the firm 
um, like some firms won't have students coming in on, on the Wednesday and then they'll let you know about that if you still even express an interest to, 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 to see somebody on, on, on that day and show them that you want to go above and, above and beyond to meet as many people as you can that sends a, a very strong signal to the firm all valid points I completely agree and also in regards to showing your interest to the firm you have to realize that the Toronto market is as big as it might look. It's actually a very small market in the sense that everybody knows about everybody. So even though, say, you said to four different firms that they're number one, end up getting a job, people remember that stuff. So you want to be true to yourself, true to the individuals that you're speaking with. And if there's one firm that does stand out to you and that is your number one, feel free to tell them that they, that they are your number one. But I wouldn't recommend telling that to multiple different firms uh, because at the end of the day, it actually impacts your own reputation. Uh, even if you do land a job with those firms. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I had an experience where I was hired into a firm and the firm then folded up before um, I actually started as a summer student. And, you know, the one thing I took from that is that Bay Street respects its students. And as much as it seems like sort of this powerhouse legal area, um, they respect you. And in turn, if you respect them, it goes a long way. And uh, like uh, Vanya and Gary mentioned, there are different ways of showing your interest as well. So having those conversations with the recruiters, going back to the firms to meet new, uh, new and different people uh, definitely gives them a sign that you're interested as well. All right, so one piece of advice for uh, someone approaching these uh, in-firms. I know we have discussed a few points. If you just had to pick one out, what would it be, Gary? For OCI, as I said, be yourself. I think for in-firms, I would say do your research. That's probably what I would say. There's there's kind of do your research of, of the firm in, in, in a bit more depth, especially if they have certain practice areas that you're interested in. Um, and in terms of the lawyers that'll be interviewing you or people who you want to meet, just this is the opportunity to kind of research and uh, find out more about the firm because now you're at the stage where uh, it's it'll become a job. I think it's important to be yourself. I think that it sounds really airy and not not like a concrete piece of advice, but but if you're yourself, you'll find a place where you'll fit in. And, and the more people that you meet from the firms, the more you realize whether you click with them or not. Because if you're if you're pretending to be somebody that you're not, and even if you do get hired back, you won't fit in at that firm. And I think that it's really important to try to meet as many people as you can because they'll give you a sense of what the firm is about and it'll tell you whether you it's somewhere that you want to work. Um, so And also being yourself means that you'll be friendly and, and I mean approachable in the interviews because you're not putting, like you, you're being yourself so you're not putting on an act and it's more comfortable and being comfortable translates into a good interview. Yeah. Uh, my advice is detach from the outcome. Enjoy the process. Um, neediness is not a desirable trait and if you are going through those interviews needing a job um, they're gonna smell that and uh, I think I would say that like I said in OCI that keep your energy up during that one day but you will realize in inference it gets even tougher because not only do you have interviews during the day, you have a reception right after, you probably have a dinner, and then you have to send your thank you emails and very easily turns into 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Next morning, you have to get up again at 7 a.m. So by the time Wednesday hits, it's very easy to feel just drained and no idea what's going on. Uh, but just keep that smile on your face, keep your energy high, and like everybody has said, enjoy the process because uh, you can't really control the outcome, so just control the process and control yourself when you're going through it.
Now, turning to the social events uh, that we have briefly mentioned that they're receptions, they have uh, dinners. So if uh, you guys can just briefly talk about different styles of events that you attended and actually describe one event in detail that you attended and hopefully each one would have a different one that they expand on. So we'll start with uh, Vani on this. Um, so I attended both receptions, receptions, dinners, and a lunch. Um, and I, I guess I'll talk about the receptions. Um, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people at receptions, and it can be overwhelming when you walk in and there's a whole crowd. But you just need to try to. What I did was I just, you know, went over, grabbed myself a drink. I didn't actually drink. I realized I kind of walked around with it. Um, and I just started, jumped into a group of students that were talking, students and a couple lawyers, and, and you know, listened to the conversation, interacted with the lawyers. But what I try to do is that I try to find people who are on the student committee and just at least meet them. I think it's important to know. And that goes back to doing your research. Every firm, well, most firms, I imagine, would list their, who their student, who's on their student committee and the lawyers and then, then you can find the lawyers and read their bios and, and know what they look like so that when you go to these receptions, you can talk to someone on the student committee because that's really important. I mean, at the end of the day, they're the ones that, that make the decisions. Um, and also, if there are any lawyers that you wanted to meet in, that you, through your research, realize that you wanted to meet because they practice in a certain area, you can look out for them as well. Um, but I also think it's important not just to try to go after the lawyers, but also know that you know, you're interacting with students as well. So if you can get other students involved in the conversation, it goes a long way, not just to making the other students feel comfortable, but also it shows that you're able to, you know, bring other, other people into a conversation, carry a conversation, and you're really trying to be part of a team and not, not just going, you know, okay, this is the lawyer, I need to speak with them. That was my my experience. And then, I mean, everyone understands you probably have multiple receptions, especially on, I think most of them are on the first day. So they'll understand is if you if you have to leave early, which most people do, but before you leave, make sure you speak with a recruiter or, um, yeah, with a recruiter and thank them for, for inviting you to the event and, and express if you're in, still interested in interest to come back to the firm the next day. Uh, just yeah. one thing I wanted to add on in regards to the reception is, uh, if um, a easier way of getting around the room might be to find that individual that took you around in the morning. So whether it was an articling student or an associate, uh, if you're able to locate that individual in the room uh, because you have already built a rapport with that individual, they might be able to introduce you to uh, different people in the room that uh, based on the interest that you might have or, or individuals on the student committee if you're unsure. So uh, might be a good idea just to reach out to them uh, when you step into the receptions. Yeah, my experience was only with receptions. So, I mean, additional things are also, you got to prepare for them also. Like, you have the, the names of the people you interviewed with front of mind because people are going to ask you, oh, who'd you meet? And if you don't have that name set, then, you know, that's a tough moment. Um, know your personality in those situations. Uh, for me, I'm not good at those, like, quip, uh, quick, quip-filled conversations about high-level stuff. I'm much better at having a you know, a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So I had sort of four or five people scouted out that I knew I wanted to speak to before going into it that I made a point of having, you know, substantial conversations with. And then finally, there's going to be alcohol, there's going to be food. So if you choose to consume either of those things, do it gracefully because it's not always so easy to hold a beer and have a napkin and a skewer of, you know, jerk pork. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, no, I, I think that for me, my, my main experience was uh, with receptions as well, actually. And, and I think I'll, I'll, um, we touched off of all the points. I, I was very fortunate when I went through the receptions because I uh, approached one of the lawyers who had interviewed me and they did a, an amazing job of just taking me around to all of all the different uh, uh, lawyers in the practice areas I was interested in and introducing uh, and introducing me to them. And I, I think uh, the... The, the thing that was um, great, great about that approach is that it allowed me to uh, meet with a lot of lawyers w w within that span of time and not spend all of my time uh, just speaking with, with one lawyer, for example. And a lot of students uh, will, will do that at the receptions. They'll spend a lot of time having a, a great conversation with maybe a limited amount of people, which is great because um, uh, you, you build that, that rapport and relationship. But I think at that stage, you want to kind of meet as many people as you can because there's, there's, uh, there's maybe uh, many people who have input on, on the final decisions that are made. So the more lawyers and, and professionals that you can meet at the receptions and speak with, uh, the better. For me, I attended uh, dinners and uh, receptions, lunches, and I think one breakfast as well. I'll, I'll speak a bit about dinners. So there could be different types of dinners that you might have there. It could be just a, you along with a couple of lawyers from the firm. So it could be a partner and associate, which is one of the dinners that I had. Or you could also have group dinners. And even in group dinners, there are different types of group dinners. One are where everybody's just sitting on, around the table and having a conversation. Or you can have group dinners where uh, you are seated at one spot, but the lawyers, after every 15 or 20 minutes, move around. So that allows you to get FaceTimes with a variety of lawyers. So what I realized in each one of them is, again, it's still an interview that's going on, but it's more in a casual level. So you're definitely eating and consuming some alcohol. Uh, just keep that conversation going. Be interested in uh, the people that are around you and their practice area. So if it's a dinner, you probably might know ahead of time who you might be having dinner with. And if you don't, then it's perfectly okay to let them know, hey, I was just informed that I'll be having dinner with you. Could you tell me a bit about your practice area? That will get you an idea about who you're speaking with and then you can cater your questions around that during the dinner time. Especially if you have that, those one of those rotational dinners where the lawyers keep on moving around, it's also okay to ask them a bit about their background and uh, ask questions accordingly, uh, which will allow you to be more catered to the person you're speaking with and also allow you to have a better conversation. But definitely when you're there, uh, watch the alcohol uh, intake. Uh, it's, it's good to, if you, if you do drink, it's okay to have a couple of glasses, but you don't want to go too overboard with that. Uh, and if you don't drink, that, that's perfectly fine as well. And it's okay to get a glass of water and everybody's very respect, respectful about that. The other thing about dinners too is that they're often, on, most people have a dinner on, on the Monday and that means that you've been up for pretty much all day, gone to several receptions perhaps, and you're going to be tired at the dinner. And I know that, I mean, it, it's a long day, especially if you have dinners on again on Tuesday, you're, you're going to be tired. So I, what I did, I just, well, I felt I was tired, so I drank a lot of water, drank not so much wine, not as much wine as I normally would have, and I tried to eat meals that weren't going to like put me to sleep, so yeah. things like salad or, or like chicken, I don't know. Uh, that's just a, a tip, and, and I always went for the dessert. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one thing I just want to echo from uh, Chris's point was make sure you remember I, I have a tough time with this and uh, make sure you remember the people that you had interviewed during the day because by the dinner time say you're having dinner with firm Y and you met that firm very early in the morning 
it's bound to come up in the dinner as to who you interviewed with and uh, who all you met during the for, like, while you were at the firm. So right before that dinner or right before that reception, it, just go through those cue cards or the business cards that you have for people from that firm and quickly review them just so you have an idea and kind of uh, it's top of mind as to the conversations you might have had. Anybody have anything else to add uh, for these social events? It's a social event. Have fun. <laughs> like you're, at the very least, you're gonna get some, you know, free food and drink. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> at, a, at a pretty good place too. So yeah. <laughs> enjoy enjoy the moment. So one final piece of advice, just to wrap up this entire discussion, not only just the social event, but in regards to the interview process, and then uh, we'll uh, close off this roundtable. So. We'll start with Vanya. Oh, I hate to say it again, but it's really about being yourself. Uh, why don't we go around? I'll see if I can think of something better. But it, it really is the best yeah. advice I can give. Is just yeah, you know, be yourself. Was, the fact that that has come up so many times is not happenstance. And like, so if you don't know how to be yourself, like practice it. And because you know, obviously we're all going to be ourselves talking to our moms. But if you know, you got to talk to a stranger for forty-five minutes. Practice interviewing with someone who's a stranger. Like, I know there's. Outlets for that at your law school, guaranteed. So, um, I mean, I think my piece of advice is to um, just if some people are going to get jobs and other people are not going to get jobs, and if you get a job or you don't get a job, it's not indicative of your quality as a lawyer, and it's not indicative of the success you're going to have in your career. I swear to you that not getting a job on Bay Street could be the best thing that ever happened to you. So. Acknowledge that and allow that to be a reason that you stay detached from the outcome. Yeah, and I, I think Chris is absolutely correct, and it's it's a very long uh, process, as as you can tell, just so just from all, all the things that that we've been discussing, and it's important to to enjoy the process. Uh, it's it's a uh, as much as uh, it's a nerve wracking process, it's it's also a very fun process, and it's an opportunity to talk about yourself a lot. A lot of firms are going to be uh, expressing interest. Uh, so it's it's a great time uh, in, in in your law career, and it's an important time to to really enjoy because uh, as long of a process as it is, it kind of does fly by fast too. So. Yeah. And uh, what I would say is that it it gets easier to be yourself and to be comfortable into in the interviews if you have really put in the work beforehand. So whether that means discuss having discussions about the different firms with your friends or talking about uh, the experiences they might have had speaking with people at the firm or even doing mock interviews with your uh, friends i know gary and i uh actually sitting where we're sitting right now we did a lot of mock interviews uh, just grilling each other on different types of questions because the more practice you put in or the more research you put in into the firms uh the easier the conversation is going to be while you're in front of them because whatever you're speaking about, you would have already thought about it. So if it's the first time you're thinking of an answer when somebody's asking asking you that question in an interview, you might not have the best answer for it. But if you've already thought about it beforehand and you kind of have an idea of what are the things you want to hit, that question might be just the one that you hit home, right? So put in the work beforehand, take the process seriously in regards to the work you're putting in, but at the same time, have fun and be yourself while you're during in the interviews. I guess some some concrete advice on the be yourself part <laughs> would be to well, if you don't, you know, it's it's a process. You want to learn about you learn about yourself through the process, really, starting with the applications. Yeah. But you want to and I well, you should annotate your resume. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that flat out because annotating your resume helps you to 
sort of reconnect with yourself and, and figure out what it is that you've done and how you're going to portray that that aspect of yourself in an interview that'll allow you to be yourself. So there's my concrete piece of advice for be yourself. Yeah. So uh, Gary, Vanya, Rishi, and, and Chris. I'm Chris. <laughs> this is great. And um, we really appreciate you guys being here. And I think that, uh, you know, we went pretty long on this, but it was all valuable information. So, uh, yeah. How's everyone feeling? Gary? Great. Vanya? That's great. Nice. This is The Law School Show.